0: Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show. a series of organic discussions between hosts David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now here's your host David Chavez. Hello, everybody. This is David Chavez, the Strategy Sherpa Show,
1: and I have Bill Anderson with me today, and I'll introduce Bill in just a moment. But right before we get kicked off, let's start off with a little bit of talking about what we have going on um, in the next few weeks. Um, my One of our guys, uh, Warren, is going to be a, doing a webinar about um improving your business through your game knowledge of football so he's using football to help you understand some things about business should be a great uh webinar it is on november the 14th from 1 to 2 p.m central time and um if you're interested in that just get on our website and click on events and you'll see that in there you can register right in there for that and um, let's go over and introduce Bill now. Hey, Bill, how are you doing today? Hey, David, doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Ready to hear some of the, your story. Now, um, Bill, what I just try to tell everybody when we start the show office is, is that um, it sounds a little funny when we introduce the show, but what we're doing is we're talking about um, things that... Uh, leaders maybe didn't do as well as they would have liked to or made the best decision at the time that they made the decision. But we wanted to, to, what we're trying to do is help uh, leaders learn how to be better leaders through mistakes that other leaders have made and how they overcame those mistakes. Because I think a lot of leaders, when they're growing their career, they um, end up having a lot of self-judgment about the things they don't do well when not doing things well sometimes is really the way that we learn things the best. And so I I really appreciate you being on the show today and sharing some of the things that maybe you're not um, exactly proud of, but at the same time, really defined you as a leader and helped you become better as a leader too. So um, why don't you share with everyone a little bit about your background? Because I think it's always interesting to have you share your own background.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, David. I I completely agree um, as far as learning from our mistakes. And I've I've made several um, errors in in my leadership um, um, journey. So I'm glad to be on and and see if I can help and hopefully maybe learn a little bit more as I speak about it. Um, I've been in the industry for about and when I say the industry, I'm in the um, mental health um, industry and I've been in the mental health industry for about 29 years. Um, 24 of those years specifically with co-occurring SUD, substance use disorder um, diagnosis and working in facilities um, that are trying to help individuals recover. Uh, And then co-occurring, they may have another diagnosis, depression, anxiety, um, you know, those kind of co-occurring disorders. So I've been doing this for, uh, for quite a while. And I cut my teeth. I'm an LCSW, so that's a licensed clinical social worker. Um, So I cut my teeth kind of on the front line, dealing directly with clients, um, doing case management from, um, you know, graduating with my master's and kind of doing direct care. Uh, And about, I want to say about 10 plus years into it, um, after getting my master's, I found myself um, on the other side doing business development and in the business development side of things where you're marketing it's almost like a sales position someone might look at and you're, you're trying to get clients um, I, I just I learned that I had a knack or um, enjoyed process improvement team building and that's where I stumbled onto the um, executive side I had a, a, a good friend I knew in the industry and he goes, he goes, you do a lot of different things and, and well-versed in a lot of things. He goes, have you ever thought about being a CEO? And I said, nope, never thought of it, never <laughs> never imagined, and it was not in my vision. Um, and he he gave me my first facility. It was a 50-bed facility with about 75 staff, um, and it was north of Atlanta, um, really beautiful facility. Um and what I did there was basically what I knew how to do, which was improve the process overall from an organizational standpoint. How do we create a better stream? And through that, we would generate better revenue. We would decrease the expense side. Uh, and and I created a team that would buy into that vision um, and move forward. And it was shortly after that, that um, I think I got noticed by someone, and I'm not really sure. I think it was just because, again, it was just those things I knew how to do. Um, and so, yeah,
1: so, so. so, 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 before you go on to this story, let me just ask you a couple of questions of yeah. where you're at right and up to now, if you don't mind. So, yeah. um, you got uh, somebody approached you to be a CEO, yeah. and you had never even thought about that at the time, yeah. right? No. Let and and what did they te- what did they tell you? What traits did you have that they noticed?
2: The specific one is I I, I walked into a meeting that had a divisional president that he who was a divisional president over about twelve facilities, and I didn't know. I thought it was the CFO of this one facility. I was trying to get this relationship referrals back and forth. And he said, he goes, you're not the CEO of the facility you're representing. I said, no, our CEO doesn't like to do these kind of things. I said, but I've, I've been doing this, I really love it. And I met with him for about an hour and we, we connected and we got along and we developed a pretty good um, process that we were gonna do referrals back and forth. And I guess whatever, he was the divisional president but I didn't know that. So okay. he's the one that called me later over these 12 facilities and he was like i i really think you could do this and the i don't know if it's good or bad but man he dropped me in that position and i had zero training i mean he just put me in there he came out there i think two weeks after i had already started and work with me but I, all i knew how to do was put into practice everything i had been doing before
1: yeah and, and- um, and it's great because I I think that no one ever really anticipates becoming a CEO, right? It's not like sure. it's it's not like one of those job skills that you uh in in high school that, that yeah become a CEO um, and you actually think of that. So you're in this position, and I didn't mean to
2: interrupt your story no, too. Much, so all right, I, I I guess I did something, and so the facility, the first facility, was a little bit chaotic. Meaning they had a lot of dysfunctional things going on. The HR side, the expense side, revenue. The team was disgruntled, not really getting along. And I think I just stabilized it. Right. I think I just stabilized the team, created that vision, um, settled everything down, really started creating this good process. Revenue starts kicking in, and about it was only about nine months into this position. That the company and again this company is probably um probably the top 10 top 12 mental health programs i mean you're looking like hca or uhs it's acadia and they had a recent acquisition so Uh all these organizations are um, acquiring new facilities generating new revenues um and they they purchased a a pretty large substantial residential facility 126 127 beds Um, on the west coast and it was going to be their um, biggest revenue generating facility now there was they had so many facilities the revenue wise they were good but and um they said they wanted me to go do whatever i had done at this smaller facility and do it at one of their biggest facilities, over twice as large right that is correct 120 it had 320 plus employees wow it was um, it was three hundred acres, but only eleven acres was usable. So it had three hundred acres. It's out in the middle of the desert in Arizona, um, but only eleven acres was usable. I mean, it had four or five buildings, huge, huge staff, medical team, massive medical team. Um, to say I was a little um, overwhelmed and um, um, scared um, is an understatement. It was um, a huge. Uh, undertaking um and i had a great team supportive family so i moved out to arizona and yeah so so like you had said
1: something there that i want to capture just for a second because you said it was a little scary i think all of us get a little afraid when we're taking on these huge tasks and um, sounds like you're doubling the size of the facility you're at you're moving your family across the country to go do this so a lot of I, i i mean I, I, there's got to be a lot of stress in that. Just moving alone is stressful. You oh, know, yeah. and then, you're, then you're starting a job that is twice as much responsibility, right? Yeah.
2: I yeah. remember calling my divisional president and I said, I, I don't know that I can do this. I said, I can. I said, I think I can do the job. I think I can do the job. It'll be tough. I said, but I can't do the job and move my family and do that. And he goes, you're right. You can't. He goes, you get there, you focus on your job, your wife will have to do everything else. And he was exactly right. I, I had a great, She's she. we're still together. She's incredible woman, incredible family, but I couldn't have done it by myself. There's just no way I could have done it. Um, yeah. So I was able to able to tackle yeah. Especially that. Especially taking on that much
1: responsibility mm-hmm. and then um, going into a facility. Now you guys just acquired this facility. And a lot of times when there's an acquisition going on, those facilities aren't doing great.
2: No, and this one was not. In fact, um, not only was it disorganized, they hadn't had a CEO for a while, Um, great medical team, um, but the census was low, it was underperforming, the revenue wasn't where it needed to be. And on top of that, they were getting hit locally by the newspapers just for some fallout stuff that they shouldn't have been doing. So since the processes were so bad, they were getting bad media, bad hype, they weren't well liked in the community we had to change that you know being in in it's a little tiny city in arizona but but is a very tight community and you get you know a bad reputation with a couple of individuals it perpetuates itself and so there was a lot of dynamics that we needed to change in that large organization so even on the surface it was going to be a daunting task but you get involved and start doing the work and it was it was enormous
1: Right. Yeah. And especially when you're, you're coming into a new place, you don't know anybody, you're having to start to put a turnaround situation in effect. Mm-hmm. You're trying to cut costs, you're trying to, but you're trying to spend money in the right places. Very challenging, strategically, probably one of the most challenging strategy um, that that is out there because I think that a lot of people don't understand when they're in a turnaround section they have to cut but they have to keep on spending money too and right. so it's like this weird position you're in cuz you're cutting over here but you're spending over here and 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 then also now you you're coming in you don't know anyone you're cleaning up all these messes so a lot of challenge there for you and and, and a lot of opportunity for you too mm-hmm. right because if because if you turn it around and it goes through a well Um, it could really be, have a major impact. Um, So this is Bill Anderson, everybody. And he was talking about um, his new role at Arcadia and he was, 126 bed facility, Um, he comes into it, the census is low, which means that they don't have a lot of patients um, coming into the facility. Um, He's probably dealing with a morale problem. There's um, the local local business communities rejecting them because of some of their bad behavior and not living probably their core values very Mm -hmm. well. And, um, so, so Bill, you had quite your, um, you, you had quite the the task ahead of you. And at the same time you're moving or your wife's moving. One of the two, (laughs) we'll probably give her all that credit, right?
2: (laughs) She did. She was amazing. Absolutely. Give her all that credit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So right after we come back from the, um, break bill, we'll get into like, Hey, what's one of those decisions that you really made a big mistake in. But right now, everybody, I just wanted to, uh, bring you back to assured strategy. And, um, what we're trying to do is get everybody to join our newsletter. And if you get on assuredstrategy.com, you can, um, just click on the little link right there on the homepage, um, to join our newsletter. And we provide some great information a couple of times a month. And, uh, About business um, strategy has some great blogs that come out that are quick reads easy to to just keep you tuned up and being a great leader and so what we'll do is we'll come right back after the break Bill and we'll have you tell us a little bit about um, some of those great things you've done in your career
2: absolutely thank you all right
1: thanks
3: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
1: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
4: Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the, the revenue that that plane generates.
3: Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, tune in at iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast.
0: Hey Alexa.
3: Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. All right, Bill.
1: Here we come. Here comes the fun part.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's get into it, Bill. This is Bill Anderson, everybody. And um, a, and he is a CEO at Mount uh, Sinai Sinai mm-hmm. um, Wellness Center. Mm-hmm. And he's been, he introduced himself in the last segment. And so if you didn't get a chance to hear that, I would strongly suggest that you go and listen to that because... He talked a little bit about taking a new position and some fear that came up for him when he started to become a CEO. I think those are very powerful messages to all new leaders as you're you're moving up the ladder and becoming more and more successful in your career. I, I think there's a lot of fear and all, all of that as we're moving up. But Bill let's get into the decision that you made that didn't work out as well as you thought and let's start off with the decision first like tell everyone what you
2: did that was probably not the best decision you've ever made in your career <laughs> yeah very good and, and i'll do a, i'll try to do a short version of the a little bit of the background um you know the facility in arizona a large facility 300 plus employees you know, we had a huge medical department and we had five different departments and each one had a medical director. And then over those medical directors, you have a chief medical officer. And so shortly after I got there, um, I think it was a year and a half um, there, our chief medical officer got promoted. So he moved up in, in the company, which was a great thing for him. But it also left a huge vacancy. Um, One of the things we specialized in that program was our medical care. So finding the right replacement for him, not only was he the chief medical officer, um, he was a great marketing tool. He was um, an incredibly talented, he was a lawyer by trade and then converted to medical. So it was a big um, vacancy in our department. And so, you know, to say there was a lot of pressure of finding the right person was there. And so I had to do all that, find someone who could do that, run the medical department, um, be very engaging to our clients, be engaging to our staff, but also be engaging to our referral sources and be smart enough to run it. Um, And I was not getting a lot of luck. So, uh, you know, we had resume searches, we had executive teams out there searching, we had a pretty large organization based out of nashville who's trying to look um i finally found one on the coast of california Mm -hmm. very um um, very well-known doctor out there on that side and i thought okay i've got this i go i drive to california i I meet him for lunch we have a great lunch and towards the end i i can tell in this meeting he is he is not our candidate meaning i i I thrive on building teams and and yes you can have all the experience you want but if you can't be a part of a team and move a team forward and and really be a part of that vision um, you're not going to be successful with our organization so I knew this was not the right hire yeah. I called my boss told him this is not right not the right hire um, still couldn't find the candidate and um, looked and interviewed and potential one didn't work out and so i finally went back to this guy and um said you know what he's got everything else except for this one piece which is a is a is a pretty impactful and the pressure was building to get someone in place and 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 i felt it you know a lot of us feel a lot of us feel that pressure and then the, that pressure starts coming in and
1: it makes you do things that you probably wouldn't normally do right
2: yeah, and I and I'm I'm usually pretty good about trusting my guts, and I preach it to everybody. and And I knew what my gut was telling me, but I also knew that I had had a you know this large facility. I mean, you're talking about a large revenue generating, and that medical director um, officer is is a key part. Um, so I ended out, you know, hiring this gentleman. Um, and- so
1: so so even though you knew. Or Mm -hmm. you had this sneaky suspicion that he wasn't going to be the right fit for you. You you became the pressure became too much. Yep, you had to make a move because you had to keep everything moving because you're you're being paid to get results in that new facility. Correct, and you can't find anybody, and
2: then you start to compromise. Okay, I did. I, I. And like I said, you know, I had, I had not only from my own experience, but even watching other people in different roles, um, trusting kind of their gut and knowing that I've had that. And, and, you know, I do a lot of that self-talk, too. And and I went against that in this moment from all those pressure points. So good. And went yeah. in a, a different direction than what I really want and thought, you know what, I can make it work. You know, I can make him align himself with the team he had come and interviewed with the team and, and it was with mixed results you know yeah. even the interview with the team and it wasn't just like one interview over lunch i mean there was a series of interviews and very methodical and even that was a mixed mixed bag and and i thought i could overcome that one big challenge you know i thought yeah. with all the experience with everything he brings to the table with um his vast knowledge um I could undergo and and I couldn't is, it, it, is it, it is it is it isn't it
1: amazing how we know better and especially you being in the mental health industry you know that you can't change somebody right the way that they believe and then you talk yourself into doing this and I can tell you Bill boy I wish I could say I made this mistake only once myself but I <laughs> <laughs> i can mm-hmm. tell you that i've made it a lot more than once oh is, yeah. that, a, is that a fair comment so you bring fair, this guy very fair this, yeah yeah you bring this guy in you you're you're feeling that hey the team isn't the, the team didn't grasp him like you were hoping mm-hmm. they would so there was some warning signs even from your team hmm But you probably talked to everybody and Mm -hmm. we all agreed that yes right now we just need somebody and so you bring the guy in so like how did that go then from that moment
2: there brought him in and and in the first little bit we were like okay we thought he'll he'll kind of get acclimated to the team acclimated to our organization in the process um and and he didn't he didn't waste a lot of time from his experience and in his um, work in the industry. So he's not new to the industry. I mean, he understands the industry very well. He doesn't understand our organization, but he understands the industry. And so he starts to implement pretty quickly things that he think will improve the medical process, but he doesn't know enough about the organization to take it slow. Uh, and so he goes very fast, implements things he shouldn't be implementing, um, his direct medical department impacts nurses, impact admissions, impact business development. It impacts our revenue cycle and insurance. And he and he was just like, didn't he wasn't thinking about this and just started doing all this stuff. The team leaders were not too thrilled. Um, anywhere from the HR department, um, clinical department, admissions. He was he was shutting the door, trying to shut the door on admissions, which we don't do um depending on acuity um and it, he was just very disruptive to to the organization and the processes and and he did it in a very quick time it so wasn't he, like he delayed he he came in and wanted to run his show
1: not your team's show right Correct. right he, and he wanted to
2: be in charge
1: yeah and, and then so what he's doing is he's alienating the whole team yep it, it, and basically, I'm in charge. I'm going to decide everything. You're just going to shut up and listen to me. And so so when all this is going on, like what's going on with your team? What is the feedback you're getting?
2: I, I am getting um, my leadership teams are coming to me individually, telling uh-huh. me this is not working. Here's what he's doing. Here's how it's impacting what what we've built up. You know, I had a great rapport with them. We had a great team, and so we had this way of operating as a team. You know, I I can't micromanage every person. I you know I hire people who are good at what they do, and I let them run with that. And that's you know I think right. that's a good team player. That's what you're supposed to do. If I could, if I could do every department, I would. So they're coming to me individually, telling me the create the mess he's creating, um, and and now I'm starting to get the reverse pressure. You know, it's now it's not pressure of filling the position, now it's the pressure of, we have created this wonderful, improved product. We've got a great relationship in the community. Revenue is at an all time high, operations is going well, and he's chipping away at it and really kind of tearing down this fine team engine that we've built. So
1: you come into this organization, you're moving across the country, your wife's in the process of moving all your stuff, you're trying to get settled in, you're trying to get this company back on track, you're doing a lot of things really well to make that happen. You end up hiring this guy and he comes in and starts becoming a dictator, starts alienating your team. How did, how did the team perceive you at that time?
2: Yeah, that's the that's the blow to the reputation, and it's it's you know why did you let this happen? You know we told you some of our concerns, you know. So I get the um, you know the the drop in confidence a little bit. You know, my team is looking at me going, uh, I'm not sure this is the right move. So much so, you know, they maybe have lo- lose a little respect, you know, for what and and I knew that. I knew that in these meetings that if I were to continue and not make another decision based on the poor one I had already made, it could continue to get worse. Not only the facility, but my reputation, their confidence in my leadership. Was I the leader I thought or needed to be for that organization? So uh, there was definitely a a hit to my um, the confidence they had in me.
1: Yeah, so 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 this was probably um, from the way you made it sound. Sound how how much of the revenue was this department for you? Was it most of the revenue, the real relevant revenue that came in, or
2: it's a significant amount because you're talking about most of the revenue on a residential facility is in your medical department, meaning you have to have the medical um, um, documentation and you have to have the staff to do it. I mean, you're talking about you know a hundred. We were doing one hundred something, one hundred and twenty admissions a month, and um, all those people generate revenue um, right. about I don't know four thousand dollars per person. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're impacting that front door revenue, and that department did, well, that's a good chunk of your revenue. We were a sixty million dollar revenue, yeah, um, and and it was hitting. Hard. It
1: was hit. It was hitting your heart, and 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 so like on the hit on your reputation. Talk a little bit about that. You know, like um, I don't. I don't want to get too. Uh, you know what? We'll 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 take a break and we'll come back after break and we'll talk a little bit about that because I want okay. you to get into a little bit about that. Um, This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez. I'm here with Bill Anderson um, with the Mount Sinai Wellness Center. And we will be back in just a moment.
4: Take care.
3: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today.
0: Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: you have a message you want to share that message you want it to be social to go viral and spread across the planet but how do you get started tune in to amplify featuring host ken roshan this show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful but have a positive impact on the world tune in live every tuesday at 11 a.m eastern time 8 a.m pacific on the voice america business channel And get amplified.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866 472 5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to the show.
1: All right. Hey, this is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. And boy, we've had a great conversation up to now. This is Bill Anderson that's joining me today. He is the CEO of Mount Sinai Wellness Center. And he is actually talking to us about some of the things that he has done. And when he was out at Arcadia out in, I think it was Tucson, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Tucson area? Yeah. Okay, yep. Tucson area. Um, he made a critical mistake in his se- second CEO position by hiring a doctor as his director of
2: wellness was that, as that was his yeah, as a chief medical officer overall yeah. the five there were five departments or five um medical departments um, yeah so very regions. important position
1: like sitting in is sitting on your leadership team with you basically yes. and right. wanted to come in and basically take your job and everybody else's and become the most important person in the company um, which, went, uh, which went against everything you believe in and everything you built your career off of. So you had mentioned right before we went on break a little bit before, um, you, you said that you um, you hit, took a tremendous hit on your reputation. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell, tell me about that because, you know, like I think a lot of people out there, don't, uh, like they take those hits on the reputation and sometimes it causes them never to really come back sounds like that didn't happen to you so you got through what happened but let's talk about what happened like what hits on your reputation did you take
2: um again i think it was it it was probably a couple different ones but the the biggest one was probably my my decision making i think that was probably the biggest hit i think i had come in there and and not to get too far backwards I think when I came on I think the team that was there and I had to add to it and add some pieces they were a little bit skeptical you know it was only my second CEO position and so they were already skeptical of what I could bring to the table um you know did I have the experience to do this did I have, have the wherewithal um mm-hmm. and so what happened was I think I overcame some of those early challenges and then with this coming back, I think some of those earlier concerns came back of, you know, does he have the right decision-making? Does he have the experience to lead this team? Um, And then as the guy is there and creating kind of this discord inside the team and inside the facility, it's kind of like, does he have the ability or decision-making or experience to correct this, to fix this? So he's brought someone on that is detrimental to what we want to do um that doesn't look well and, and perception drops but then it's like what are you going to do to fix this and how quickly can you fix this
1: so you um, have to tell us bill like what did you do i mean shoot sounds complicated really right now
2: and it, and, it, and it on the surface you know it kind of is um but when you get down to the to the meat of it it, it um you know you just have to go through the hr process why so you know you don't have to give them, hey this is your this is your sixty day evaluation. Um, it didn't go so well. We're going to give you another sixty days to perform in areas A, B, and C. And so I was you gave very a
1: performance improvement plan. I did.
2: Okay, I did yeah. a PIP, and and I was very succinct on what needed to be changed, what needed to be um, corrected. Um, I was. I'm a very direct leader. I mean, when you meet with me, you're going to know exactly what's going on. I'm going to write it out. I'm going to spell it out. So he had every ability to fix those areas and was not able to do so
1: yeah you you you. Can, you, you, know, are, you, you there was not a lot of ambiguity in your no. plan. you uh gave it to him straight you told yeah. him what needed to be fixed you told him the problems and some of the challenges mm-hmm. you're experiencing because of his leadership and so share with us what happened after that because that was a 60-day program you put him on right correct this is 60 days in you're putting this guy on a 60-day program and he is like sitting on your executive
2: team running the medical decisions in your facility the biggest department um and then I don't mean like size wise from you know because that will probably be our nursing department or our clinical team but as far as biggest impact to that revenue he had a huge number of people reporting to him and I have him on this performance plan um and he is minimizing it i mean he's he's like this is out of nowhere and i'm like no we've been clear that you're struggling this is it written and then and then he gets defensive um then he wants to challenge it and then you know i have to get hr involved and and do all that by the end of the 60 days i mean he couldn't he wasn't performing on on any of those metrics that i needed to um and for me it's very clear it's you either hit this at 100% or it's not going to be a fit. So when we got to the end of that 60 days, uh, he was nowhere clear, near 100% on fixing these things. And I knew what that meant was he was never. So for a, for a performance improvement plan for me, it means, because I've done some where they hit them. I did one with a gentleman. Mm-hmm. He hit every metric I put out there. He did incredible. He went on to be a great employee for me. But I know if they can't hit those metrics in 60 days, they're never going to hit them so continuing on this is not it's really his
1: decision it's really his decision at that point right right. um so once you do the pip and you hand it to him and you go over it with them and you have clarity on all of that then it's really his decision whether he wants to make those changes or let 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 me say it the way we say it here at assured strategy get com, com, um, consciousness of the things that he's doing that's not having a positive impact on the team because a lot of times we can't change these things really quick but just consciousness of what we're actually doing that that and dealing with that usually can help us get past a certain point at least to start to 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 develop the behaviors that i need to develop so i can make the change right and, and but but he probably he was astonished by the pip
3: mm-hmm. you know
1: uh, of course you never said anything to him when you probably were talking to him several times over that mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. period and and then um you give him the pip and then he still won't have self-awareness. So you knew you were in big trouble right then. How long did he last on the 60-day pip?
2: I made it all the way to the 60. So he stayed with us for about 120 days. And after 120 days, there was we knew we needed to move on. Um, he just wouldn't do it. I, I liked your word. I don't think he could ever get conscious um, of the impact he was having. It was right. all my previous experience dictated to him that he was good at what he did and he just needed to keep doing it everywhere he went. And we were run differently and he could never get conscious of doing things differently. It was like, no, and I think he doubled down on some of the things he was doing versus trying to change and be different. And that's my whole thing is, I've gotta be a different leader. If I show up to work and I do the same thing every day, I'm not changing, I'm not growing, I'm not becoming a better leader. But if I can show up on campus, learn from my mistakes, learn from what I do. I'm going to become a better leader. He just didn't have that ability. It was time for us to move on. And we did, but it was, that was the other blow to that. That was probably a bigger, because again, I'm thinking, okay, we have to separate, give him, you know, a little bit of a severance. Um, But the company decided at that point, not only were they going to do the full year severance, but they were also felt um, that they needed to, because he moved from California down to Arizona
4: mm-hmm. and they
2: felt like they needed to, to have that in that financial packet. And and those that second blow to the reputation, I think was bigger than the first one. So you have that internal one, you know, with your employees, your leadership team, but then you have that second one because now you have a larger organization. Now it's not just my regional VP, but you've got the CEO, the COO, of their largest revenue and they have to pay out this um, and it, and it hurt. And, um, you know, that's a hit of, you know, easily 400 K, you know, hit. And, and it was, it was tough that, that blow and the way the larger organization um, was just as impactful to me. And I think that was probably the one that I struggled longer with that other one. I think I, you know, when it's your immediate team, you have those relationships where you can build them back up. You can right. acknowledge them. They'll tell you, hey, I was disappointed in this. And you're like, yeah, so was I. You're right. You should be disappointed. I was disappointed. But when you're talking about that larger organization, you don't get those intimate conversations. Right. So your reputation is whatever they perceive it to be. And you don't have a an impact on it.
1: Well, well look, you survived and now oh. you're at another place running another place. So what did you do? Like, like tell us what you did to get yourself past this, because this could have been a blocker for the rest of your career, right? You could have lost confidence in everything you're doing at this point, but how did you get yourself back on track?
2: Really focusing on what I had, you know, what I thought was, um, the key characteristics of a, of a, of a leader. One, you know, trusting, going back to my roots, trusting my instinct, um, making sure that I. Making sure that I worked with my team, um, making sure that I'm doing my own self care, right? I've got to take that yes. time to do my own self care
4: yes. and
2: acknowledging that, whether it's talking to people and talking to people in the industry. I had a great regional um, VP. He was incredible. Um, I wish I could say his name. Uh, I'll say it anyway. Joe Procopio is an incredible man.
1: Well, if the he's best, a great leader, I'm sure he wouldn't mind. He was when he'd be a
2: man. Yeah, the best leader I've, I've, I've had in all of the, my current divisional president is pretty good. Um, I really like him learn from him, but I I learned from him. So I talked to him and he's overcome challenges like that. So I had a great team around me. He was instrumental. Um, And then I got back up on my on my horse. I got back up into the position
1: yeah you got back in there you just started doing it um and i i I love what you said that you sat down and talked to your team and you probably owned your stuff right Mm -hmm. because sometimes we have to get in front of our teams and we have to own our stuff and we have to admit our mistake and we have to um, have that humility that comes to the table and what we end up doing when we do that is we build even stronger trust with our team which it sounds like you ended up doing
2: oh absolutely yeah. And just reinstilling that relationship with them and really, you know, meeting them at their level and and hearing them out. You know? Yeah. And just so everybody knows, I've never worked with Bill. I've just met him.
1: Uh, we've talked one other time on the phone uh, probably a few years uh, before. And then we got together to have this conversation with everyone today. And I just, Bill, one of the things that I'm taking away from this conversation is your humility, and your ability to talk about something that wasn't very, what wasn't a um, shining star on your resume, but very valuable to your growth as a
2: leader. Absolutely, very valuable. Without that, I I don't think I'm, um, and again, I know I'm gonna have more, I've already made a hire where I've had to do similar thing, but my recovery was quicker. Right, you learn from that. Your recovery is quicker, but yeah, and valuable to, right. to my career. Yeah. So it sounds like you have a lot of reflection
1: in your leadership. And I just want to thank you for coming on the show today. And everybody, we're not we're not heading off. I'm going to dive into some the things, but. Bill, um, Bill Anderson, everybody, the CEO of Mount Sinai Wellness Center. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. I can't tell you how valuable the what, the comments you made and what you did to overcome it. I, and I loved how you just owned it with everyone. And um, my guess is it's why everybody probably still invested in you and your future, because you were able to get yourself past all that. And I really appreciate you sharing the story with everyone today.
2: Thank you, David. Honored to be here. Thank you for taking the time and talking with me.
1: All right, Bill, take care. And um, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Thank you. I'll be right back. Uh, this is a Strategy Sherpa Show.
3: birdie told me voice america is on x follow us at voice america trn
0: leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy being a leader is not enough to succeed you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills
1: check us out today, you're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety, talk on today's hot topics.
4: Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Velado. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is
1: David Chavez. Hey, I just wanted to come back and um, what a great interview with uh, Bill there and him sharing some of uh, uh, the mistake he had made about hiring somebody. I can tell you that the leaders that we work with in, in a, with Assured Strategy, this is a common problem that comes up quite a bit. Um, we end up hiring somebody because we compromise on what we believe in. When we're working with people, we really try, try to help them understand their core values, the the, the things that really guide the, or, the behavior of the organization and guide the culture to becoming what it is. And really, I have to have a really good culture in order to be able to have a strategy that we're clearly executing on. And what culture really is, how I would define culture, it's really the core values and the way that we behave inside of the organization. Um, What Bill was saying was, is that he hired somebody that didn't fit that culture he wanted to build and that he started building when he came there. And then this person came in and started destroying almost everything that he had built and my guess is, is that he was probably working probably double shifts during that time, like 16 hours a day, probably trying to get everything back in line, probably trying to get the company turned around and get it profitable, thinking that he was go- doing the right thing by getting this guy in here and then just causing him a lot of problems. And he paid a little bit of a price for it. Um, you know, I'm sure with the the leaders that led him, They didn't look at it very favorably, what's happened. And Bill did not run away from the problem. He dealt with the problem. And I think that that's why he's still a CEO today and very successful one too, very respected in his community. And I think that um, when you're thinking about it, um, his ability to have humility, to own his mistake, and to move past it is something that's really important for all of us to understand it's okay to beat yourself up a little bit. You should, right? When you make a mistake like that. In other words, I should reflect on what I did and what I didn't do that I should have done. And then I think his ability to listen to people and really try to understand what was going on at the time. And my guess is there was a lot of conversations. It was very hard for him because he was trying to make all this work. And when you're dealing with that and then you have people come in complaining to you, you're trying to make sure that they don't have personal agendas of their own. And so there's a multitude of things that is going on. And this is why. And then he talked about accountability. And I love that he brought that into the conversation because. In, what, in the Scaling Up system, which uh, Scaling Up is in a book called Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. I've been a Scaling Up coach for about 15 years now. And us, we as a company, we have helped over 280 companies uh, implement Scaling Up. And when we're doing that, One of the things that we have is the Rockefeller Habits Checklist, and that comes from the book Scaling Up. And Rockefeller Habits Checklist, number four, is every facet of the organization has a person assigned with accountability for ensuring the goals are met. And in that functional accountability chart, you list out who is accountable for that role, right? So who's the head of the company? Who is it? I can tell you right now when we sit down with teams and fill these out sometimes, sometimes there's two names in that box and you're saying, that's ridiculous, there can't be two names in the head of the company box. Um, I can tell you, I've sat in many rooms where there are two names in the head of company box and you're trying to, and, and then the company's wondering why no decisions are being made. It's because the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And every time we're doing something, we end up impacting, one person impacts, something, the other person impacts something, and they're actually going against each other. And so what we do is we have people get a lot of clarity of who is accountable for each role. And then the really critical thing that we do is what is the leading and the lagging indicator for that role? And if you think about the indicators or KPIs, if you will, key performance indicators, metrics, or data, or things like that. So What is the lagging indicator for that role? What is the result should I expect from that role and responsibility? That's the lagging indicator. Then what is the activity that gets me the result that I can hold that role accountable to? So what's the activity? Well, probably for the medical director for Bill, the activity was making good decisions on medical and really helping people change their lives and get through the program. And this guy sounded like he was a little bit more about himself than he was about really getting through the program. So when you're thinking about it, what's the activity that gets me the result that position is accountable for? So I'd like to get two. KPIs that really measure the activity and one that measures the result. The problem with this whole thing is the result is easier to see than the activity. And why I say that is is because like oftentimes when we're thinking about it, like, hey, this role, what do we want them to do? It's easy to say what we want that role to do, but we don't know the activity that needs to happen to get to that. And sometimes these things seem a little silly and a little um, uh, simple, if you will, too simple to really be impact the result. But when you really think about it it's a lot of times it is something that's very simple and that's the day-to-day activity that needs to be done so every facet of the organization um has a person assigned for accountability so again i appreciate bill coming on today and i want to make sure you know we're doing a scaling up workshop in dallas on December the sixth, and we're doing it's all day workshop, and I'm doing it with one of one of the other coaches, Warren Sanger. Warren is actually in the process of moving to Dallas, so we're um, getting into that direct market a little bit. But the, but we'll have people from all over the country joining us. Um, we're limited in size, so we only have a few tickets left, and we're um, really trying to encourage people, if you really want to learn about your business and really try to think about it a little bit different for 2024, come and join us. We'll be going through things like the functional accountability chart, talking about some of the issues that Bill was just talking about, and talking about some of the other issues that we've talked about here on the Strategy Sherpa Show. But I I want to thank you for your time today and thank you for joining us. I'm going to try to do this show a little bit differently. These last nine minutes, I'm going to sort of cover some of the things and how we help people through those things, not just to sell you on our services, but to help you understand what you could do to overcome these things. If you're interested in getting that sheet, we call it the face sheet, the functional accountability chart. Then we'll, I'll be happy to send it to you. Just send an email to info at assuredstrategy.com and request FACE, F-A-C-E, or you could just put F-A-C, and we'll send that over to you. And then if you would like any um, guidance, and we'll spend a few minutes on the phone with you if you want to schedule a time with us, and we'll go over how it works and try to help you and your company get your accountability down for your leadership team. This is David Chavez. This has been the Strategy Sharpest Show, and we really appreciate you coming and spending a little bit of time with us. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.